Well, if you would this morning, take your Bibles with me and turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And as you're turning there, if you're able to stand out of respect for the Word of God, let's stand this morning for the reading of the Bible. And I was thinking of that song as uh, she was singing that. And uh, <clears throat> I was thinking of what Ezekiel said in the Old Testament, that God is looking for a man to stand in the gap. And I want to challenge you dads and some of you men that maybe not, might not be a father yet to be a man of God and stand in the gap for the Lord. And that's what God wants us to do. If you're visiting today or you're back, maybe haven't been here in a while, we, of course, uh, our theme for the year, if you can see it above the Vacation Bible School set, is magnify. We're here this entire year to magnify the Lord. And there's every month we've been looking at various things that we can make larger than we, than we really do in our lives. And this month we've been focusing on magnifying the Scripture. And we've talked about the perfection of the Scripture, how perfect God's Word is. And we've talked about other aspects of the Bible. And uh, we've looked at the preservation of the Scripture. Today we're going to talk about the purpose you know, sometimes people wonder, why do I have a Bible? Why did God give us His Word? And today, with the help of God's Word, we're a Bible-believing church. We want to establish from the Bible what's the purpose. You know, God could have chosen not to give us a Bible and chosen other means, but He has given us His inspired Word that we can know some things. And so that's what we want to look at today. So if you have your Bible there or your notes to follow along, there's a lot of passages that we'll cover today, but I want you to read along with me as we see here, and I'll begin reading in verse number 14 of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. The Bible says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And shall we pray this morning? Lord, thank you for your word. Pray that your spirit would help us to understand it. In a greater way, Lord, thank you for those that have joined us, and Lord, it's good to see some folks back, those visiting with us. Lord, I pray that you would bless everyone for being under the sound of your word this morning, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing out of respect for the word of God. Well, this month, I've been, of course, not only spending time in the Bible, but I've also been going to the hymn book, and I've talked about how the hymn book is not inspired of God, but there's some great hymns that help us to understand even theology. And I love there's some good hymns in the book about the book itself, about the Bible. One of those that I was looking at this week is number 181, where the songwriter wrote these words, Holy Bible, book divine, precious treasure, thou art mine. Mind to tell me whence I came, mind to teach me what I am, mind to chide me when I rove, mind to show a Savior's love. 
Mine thou art to guide and guard, mine to punish or reward, mine to comfort in distress, suffering in this wilderness, mine to show by living faith man can triumph over death, mine to tell of joys to come and the rebel sinner's doom, O thou holy book divine, precious treasure, thou art mine." Do you realize what you hold in your hands this morning are the words of God? God has given us His Word, and as we have looked at other aspects of the Bible, today, as we think about the Scriptures, we want to think about what is the purpose that God gave His Word to us. Now, Timothy is writing, or being written to here by Paul, as Paul is challenging this young man, his son in the faith. And he's challenging Timothy to have a close relationship with the Word of God. Paul is telling him of some of the benefits that we just read from having such a relationship with the Bible. He's reminding Timothy how the Scriptures are what has taught Timothy the things that he has come to understand about God, the things that he knows about God. I don't know about you, but I've been a Christian now for 36, going on 37 years, And when I got saved, I knew a lot about God in my head, but I really didn't know anything about God in my heart. And over these past 36 plus years, I've come to understand more and more about God. It's the Word of God that Paul told Timothy is what has fed you. And it's the Word of God is what is leading you in your life to this point. The Scriptures are foundational. They were in Timothy's life. They are in your life and mine. They're foundational in making us the man or the woman of God that God wants us to be. Notice again in verse 14, Paul's admonition, and we see it not just for Timothy, but for all of us today. Notice the word he says in verse 14, but continue. Just stay in it. Continue thou, he says, in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now, no doubt, Timothy was learning from Paul. Maybe Paul was considered Timothy's spiritual father. But understand that Paul was just teaching Timothy the Word of God, the Scripture. That's what we're going to do this week with Vacation Bible School. We're not going to teach them what this church thinks. We're not going to give them man's opinion. We're going to teach boys and girls the Word of God. And as we look at what Paul was telling Timothy, he says in verse 15, Timothy, from a child, Timothy was blessed. I don't know about you, I didn't really hear the truth. I didn't hear the gospel until I was well into my teen years. Some of you have been privileged to hear it much earlier in life than I did And some of you, maybe like me, maybe heard it later in life, but Paul says, Timothy, from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. See, the Scriptures, Paul says, are foundational, Timothy. It's the Scriptures that Paul was telling him to continue in them so that he would grow, that he would progress as a believer, as a man of God. And can I tell you fathers this morning that are listening, that God wants you as a father to have a close 
relationship with his word. To understand what the Bible says, listen, you will never be the father God wants you to be if you do not have a relationship and you are led by the word of God as a father. So listen, as we think about this this morning, what is the purpose of God giving us the scriptures? Well, there's three purposes that we want to look at this morning. Number one, the first purpose of the Word of God is for revelation. Now, in the past, we've talked about revelation. What is revelation? Is God revealing truth to man that would have been unknown or unknowable had God not chosen to reveal that unto us? So God has revealed to us His Word, and then, of course, the miracle of inspiration is that God breathed his word, God's word was then written down, that all scripture, not some, not part, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. These are not God's words, these are man's, excuse me, these are not man's words, these are God's words. So understand this morning that as we look at the purpose of revelation when it comes to the Bible, what does the scriptures reveal about God? Notice, first of all, the scriptures reveal God's person. We can know him through the word. It is his word. The scriptures reveal things about God, that he is holy, that God is a loving God, that he is just, that God is eternal, that God is glorious, that he is to be exalted, that he is uh, gracious to us. This week, the boys and girls will learn that he is merciful to us and he is infinitely good to us. But the scriptures also teach us the truth that God is Lord, that he is sovereign. And because God is sovereign, understand that the Bible says that God is a consuming fire, that God is a terrible and a God of wrath. And so as we learn this, listen, there are many things that as we read the scriptures, We learn about God. Things are revealed to us about God. Things that man could have never known about God without his word. See, in the pages of the Bible, who do we meet? We meet God himself. Jesus was God in the flesh. And understand that God gave not only God incarnate, the word incarnate as he walked on this earth, but God has given his written word that as we look into The Word of God, God has shown us His person. We can know Him through His Word in a way that we would have never known Him otherwise. But then notice also, not only do these scriptures reveal God's person, but they also reveal God's power. And we see that in the very first chapter or two in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. We find the recording of God's power to create everything. Beyond the Genesis account, there are many verses that give us a glimpse of the power of our God to create. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighted the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Listen, God holds this world in his hand. We find in Proverbs 30, who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? 
who hath established all the ends of the earth. What is his name and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? See, in the scriptures we see the mighty power of our God. We see his power in impossible situations. One day, Jesus' friend, by the name of Lazarus, had passed away. And the Bible records the love that Jesus had for his friend Lazarus. And we pick it up in John chapter 11, verse 43, where the Bible says, When he had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Notice, and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Only God can raise the dead. And we find the power of God in impossible situations. For instance, Jesus one day had a great crowd that had been gathering to spend time with him, to listen to him, to see him teach and perform things. And the Bible says on this particular occasion in a Jewish region that Jesus fed 5,000 people in one day. The Bible then records that there was another opportunity where many had gathered around him and yet they needed nourishment for they were being faint by the way. And the Bible says on that day, we find in a Gentile region that Jesus fed 4,000 people. And not only that, but we see other instances of the power of God to do miraculous things where Jesus had put his disciples on a boat and sent them out on the sea. And a storm came, and the Bible records that Jesus needed no boat, that he just walked to them on the water. We see the power of our God, how he healed many that had been brought to him with diseases that no human doctor could cure them of, and yet Jesus healed many. We see that he had the power as God to do anything that he desired to do. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything that we ask or think. The psalmist said, but our God is in heaven. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. God does whatever he wants to do. He has the power to do it. And so notice the scriptures, they reveal to us the person of God. They reveal to us the power of God. They reveal to us the promises of God. When you look in the Bible, it's not hard to find some of the many thousands of promises that you find in the Word of God. Now, here's the best part. Every promise of God will be kept. Not one promise will God ever let fall to the ground. When you look in the Bible, the book of Romans chapter 4, I love the testimony, being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Are you fully persuaded this morning that God can keep his promises? Because we find here that this individual was, that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. The Bible says in Joshua, there failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. 
every promise that God had made to them. Jeremiah in Lamentations said, The Lord hath done that which he had devised. He hath fulfilled his word that he commanded in the days of old. Even Samuel in the Old Testament, as Samuel grew and the Lord was with him, the Bible says that God did let none of his words fall to the ground. Listen, the scriptures reveal the promises of God to us, but notice they also reveal God's plan. You know, I love God because God is a God of order. God doesn't have all these, uh, you know, times in his life like us where he thinks to himself, well, what am I going to do about that? What am I going to, how am I going to handle that? That's not our God. God has a plan. And I want you to notice the plan of God for mankind. Notice, first of all, he, he has a plan to save the sinner. God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't say, when you clean up your act, when you get your ducks in a row, then I will save your wretched soul. No, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise from God. We see that God has a plan to save the sinner, but he also has a plan to satisfy the saint. See, once we are saved, the Bible says, who is it that satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles? God is the one that satisfies us. Listen, I'll tell you this, 36 years ago when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I've never been disappointed in the Lord, and He has always been the one that has satisfied me in my life. Now, many times we stray away, we wander away from God, but listen, we will only ever find our satisfaction in the Lord. See, He has a plan to satisfy the saint, but notice beyond that, He has a plan to secure the saved. We call this eternal security. People sometimes struggle, you know, they, they trust Christ as their Savior, but then after they get saved, they think that they're going to be perfect. Well, listen, we, we've spent a month, about a month ago, talking about sanctification, that once we are justified, that we are being sanctified, that God is working in our lives, and He wants us to live a life of obedience, a life that's pleasing to Him. But understand that from time to time, people will doubt their salvation. And that, that is not of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Understand that that oftentimes is the mind. It's, of course, man. It's nature. It's the flesh. And sometimes it can even be the old Henri devil. But understand that God wants us to understand that when we get saved, that he gives us what the Bible calls everlasting life or eternal life. Notice what it says here in John 10, 28. I give unto them eternal life. Notice, we didn't get it for ourselves. He gave it to us. God is the one that saves, and he says, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. See, listen, no matter what we do, and by the way, it does matter what we do after we are saved, but understand this, that you are safe and secure in the hand of God today if you are saved. And God has a plan for securing the saved. Jesus said in John 6, All, not some, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And he, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast him out. 
You know where you are today? If you are saved, you are secure in the Lord. And we find that God's plan goes beyond the security of the believer. Notice he has a plan to supply his sons. And ladies, this involves you also. Understand that when we trust him as our Savior, we become a child of God. God wants to supply our every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine? That God has, listen, riches untold, and God wants to bless your life. And understand this morning that God has a plan, and God's plan is revealed in the Word of God. So we find the Scriptures are given to us for the purpose of revelation. Everybody with me so far? Now listen, is it, it, if I stop the message right here, that would be enough. That God's Word is given to us for the purpose of of revelation. See, we can know God in a greater way because God has given us his word to know him. But notice the second purpose of the scripture is for the purpose of redemption. And what does the Bible say in the book of Romans? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by, say it out loud, hearing by the word of God. So when you think about salvation, you got saved because you heard the truth, faith, you, you had a measure of faith to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. When we think of the Bible, the scriptures, notice that God has given us his word for the purpose of redemption. Now, if you are saved today, you're glad that you are. But understand, there are many, maybe some even in the room this morning, some of your family members, some of your friends that still do not know Christ as their Savior. They haven't settled their eternal destination. Because according to the Bible, there's only one of two places that everyone will spend eternity, and that is heaven with the Lord or in a place called hell without the Lord, which God did not prepare for, for, uh, uh, for humans, God prepared it for the devil and his angels. But understand this morning, God is not willing that any would go to a Christless eternity. So when we look at the scriptures, they give us the purpose of redemption. The Bible itself is the unfolding story of redemption. The Bible says here in our, in our text, in verse number 15, look at it, that Paul told Timothy that the scriptures are able to make the wise unto salvation. See, again, the Bible helps us. God's Word helps us. From the moment that man, Adam, sinned in the garden, there has been, from that time on, there has been a continuous red thread, a scarlet thread that can be traced through the pages of the Bible. This story of redemption, as we see it all through the Word of God, it culminates when God's own Son left the splendors of heaven, came to this earth and gave his life so that everyone that would believe in him could have eternal life. You see, the Bible says the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So understand, redemption is a major purpose of the Word of God, the Scriptures. God has given them to us, notice first of all, to demonstrate the wickedness of sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. I know there may be some listening this morning, or maybe you know somebody who thinks they're good enough. The Bible says that there is none good, not one. The only person that ever lived a sinless life was Jesus, God's own dear son. The Bible says, look in Galatians here, Galatians 3.22, the scriptures hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So the scriptures are given for the purpose of redemption. Notice they demonstrate the wickedness of the sinner, but they also demonstrate the wrath of the sovereign, because you know what we deserve? We deserve hell. You know, listen, what do you have to do to go to hell? Just be born into this world and never get saved. And that will be your destination. The Bible says the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. That's, any, that's a spiritual separation from God. I know a lot of us are familiar with John, especially John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? But if you look two verses later, you find in the last part of verse 18, he that believeth not is condemned already. That's how God sees it. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. In that same chapter, in the last part of verse 36, he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Uh, Psalm 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Folks, do you understand that God gave us his word for the very purpose of redemption, to show us how wicked we are and to show us that in our wickedness, what we deserve is the wrath of God. But notice, thirdly, we see how the scriptures demonstrate the worth of a soul. I love this, how, listen, God values each and every one of us as something that is precious to him. Notice in Matthew 16, verse 26, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? Matthew 10, 31, fear ye not, therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows. Paul said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. Aren't you glad for the long-suffering of God towards us? Notice that God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God doesn't want anyone to spend eternity without him. And so we find here that the scriptures demonstrate the worth of a soul. And as a result of that, the scriptures demonstrate the way of salvation. Look, man doesn't have to guess. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the door. There's no other way except to go through Jesus. Notice John 3, 16 again, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. See, a lot of people are believing in their works they're believing in the life that they're living. They're believing in this and they're believing in that. They, their name is on the roll of some church. Listen, all of those things may be good things, but listen, you're missing the most important thing because the Bible says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. You see, our faith is in a person. 
the object of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that we need to make sure that we believe in him or we will perish. We will not spend eternity with the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So many people today try to live life without the Lord. One of those individuals was a man in the book of Acts by the name of the Philippian jailer. He was put in charge of Paul and other prisoners to keep them safe. And as Paul was there, of course, the Bible records that midnight hour. And of course, Paul had great faith in God, not knowing what the Lord was going to do. And because of what God was doing through Paul's life, we find that this jailer says to him, notice, sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's why most people are today. They think that we have to do this, we have to do this. See, that's salvation based on works. Notice Paul didn't say, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. Notice what Paul's response to this jailer was. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. You know what you need to do to be saved today? Is just put your faith in Christ. Instead of trusting in what you can do. See, how do we know that? Because the scriptures reveal that to us. The scriptures show us the purpose of redemption. And we need to understand, Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. See, the, the purpose of the scriptures. Why did God give us the Bible? Well, it helps us to understand. It reveals more to us about God that we would have never known. God's given us the scriptures for the purpose of redemption so that not only can we see ourselves, but we can also see a God that wants us to be saved. And without him, we will experience the wrath of God because we would not put our faith and our trust in him. But look at the third reason this morning that we see that God gives for scripture, and it is for the purpose of reinforcement. You know, from time to time, I think all of us need that. We need some reinforcement. And we see back in our text in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16, and look at these words with me if you would. The Bible says again, all scripture, not some, is given by God. Let's just say that together. All scripture is given by God. Notice, it's given by inspiration of God and it is profitable. Notice, what is the benefits of the word of God? for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, that he may be mature, truly furnished unto all good works. So when we look at this, it's describing the benefits that you and I can experience in our lives from a close and careful study of the scriptures. You want to know what the best commentary on the Bible is? The Bible. Uh, listen, oftentimes we want to go to this person's writings. We want to go to this and look and see what he had to say or she had to say. Listen, why don't we just be concerned about what thus saith the Lord? Just go to the Bible and you'll find, even like this morning, all the verses that we've used 
to establish and to reinforce what we're looking at this morning about the purpose of the Word of God. We see the benefits, how God's Bible, the Word of God, serves as a reinforcement tool. It'll help us to grow, and it'll help us to develop into the men and women of God that He wants us to be after we were saved. And there are two ways that the Scriptures actually can help us to develop as a believer. Now, if you're like me, and somebody wants to share from the Bible how I can develop more, I've known people, many Christians in my life, and just from being around them, and again, I'm no person's judge, but it's evident that in some people's lives, there's been a lot of growth as a Christian, and in other people's lives, there's not near as much growth. <clears throat> I know this, I'm a work in progress. I'm under construction myself. I'm a long way. I'm like what Paul said, I've not yet apprehended. There's a lot of things that I still need to learn as a Christian, but with God's help every day, I want to learn more and more. I want it to be reinforced, the Word of God, to develop my life as a believer. And so notice two ways scriptures can help us to develop. First of all, they build us up through their standards. Now let me just stop here for a second, because oftentimes you use a word like that. If you notice, I said their standards. I'm not talking about Bible Baptist Church and what the church may want. I'm not talking about uh, maybe what somebody else has come up with. I'm not talking about what is Pastor Keeley's. I'm talking about what is the Bible standard for our lives. Listen, if you're a Christian this morning, then you ought to say, I want my life to be lived by the standard of God's Word. And listen, God's Word can build us up as a believer. There's a lot of people that criticize the Bible. They say the Bible is just a, a, a rule book, and it's a, a list of things that we can do and we can't do. Listen, I hope that you've been saved long enough, you know enough about the Bible, that you understand that God's book helps us in every way of our lives. When I was a kid growing up, there were times where my parents would allow me or tell me that I could do certain things, and then there were times that my parents would tell me there were things I could not do. Like, I was glad that I had a dad that told me, son, don't play in the street. What's the big deal? I mean, why can't I? I mean, it's a place to play. You know, it's wide open. We can play ball out in the street. We can do things. My dad understood that, listen, it was something for my good because cars just happened to drive on the street. And so I had to understand that although I, in my human nature, in my flesh, wanted to play in the street, it was for my good that I did not go out and play in the street. Everybody understand? So there are times where there are things that we can do and there are things that we cannot do, but just because we cannot do it doesn't mean it's bad. It might be there for our protection. It might be there for our benefit. It might be there to help us out. See, people today, and by the way, people have never liked the idea that the Bible, and this is their idea, the Bible tells them how, how they can live their lives. You know why? Because of pride. Because people are like, no one's going to tell me what I can do, uh, how I'm going to do it, how I'm going to live my life. People don't like that. But listen, I, I, if you are saved and you love the Word of God this morning, here's what you find when you look in the Bible. You find guidelines for living. God shows us how to be a husband, how to be a father, how to be a mother, 
how to love your family, how to raise your family, how to manage your money, how, how, to, how to give, and how to be a blessing to other people. Listen, I could go on and on and on. We find all of that in the Word of God, guidelines for living. And listen, there are many that would understand this morning that as we look at those guidelines, the standards of God's Word, they allow us to live lives that will bring honor and glory to God. Jesus put it this way quite simply, and I think it blankets and covers a lot, when he said in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's pretty simple. What was Jesus saying? You say you're a Christian. You say you love me. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to prove it by just doing what I ask you to do. Just obey what I've given to you. Well, again, when you look in the Bible, there is much that he's given us to do, but yet many times we don't do what God asked, asked us to do, and we are miserable because we are living a disobedient life instead of obeying the Lord. But listen, Jesus said, if you love me, he says, then just keep my commandments. Do what I ask of you. John even tells us that obeying the word of God is proof of our salvation. Now think about this. I was talking to one of our young men. We were talking about this matter of scriptural baptism. Notice I used the word scriptural baptism. There are uh, many churches that practice baptism, but it's not scriptural. Again, you say, well, pastor, how, how do you establish? Well, again, you go to the Bible and find out what the word of God says. And we were talking about how that baptism, according to the Bible, is the first step of obedience in the life of a Christian after they're saved. So I, I was telling this young man, I've told many over the years, that again, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I ask you to do. So here's the thing. A person that has been saved the Bible way, put their faith and trust in Christ, the very next thing they should do in obedience is to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And I told the young man, I said, listen, if you are willing to obey the Lord in that area of your life, then listen, you will obey the, the Lord in the next area of your life. So as we think about this, it's very important for us to understand that we need to determine in our lives that we are going to do what God asked us to do. John said it this way in 1 John chapter 2, Whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Notice, whoever keeps his word is the love of God is perfected in him. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Well, what did Jesus do? Jesus put it this way, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus said, I just came to do the will of him that sent me. Well, if you're a child of God and he's your heavenly father, then you ought to be willing to do what it is that he asked you to do. Those who determine to live out the commands and the teaching of the Bible, you know what's going to happen? Those are going to be the people that are going to grow in Christ because they are living out the commands of the Word of God. Sometimes people want to get hung up on all the do's and all the don'ts. Can I just put it this way this morning, that if you spend all your time doing the do's, you won't have time and the energy to worry about the don'ts. <laughs> just do what God asks you to do, and you'll find that your life will honor the Lord and it will please the Lord. So notice that as we think about the scriptures reinforcing. Well, how do they do that? They do that by the biblical standards that God has given to us. But then I also want you to see this morning that the scriptures will build us up through the symbols that we find in the Word of God. Now, there's many of these. 
I'll give you just a few of them here as we close this morning. And these symbols that I'll share with you this morning are really given to help us to understand what the Bible is. Now listen to this. And what the Bible can do in your life. Because the Bible, remember, God has given it to us so that God can do His work through His Word in our lives. So notice the first symbol that I want to share with you this morning is the Bible is a mirror. It's a mirror. Now notice with me what James writes here in James chapter 1. For if any be a hearer of the Word, listen, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you're hearing this morning, but watch this. If you be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, you're hearing it, but you're not doing what he's asked you to do. He's like a man that beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So, again, when you think about this, when you got up this morning, now, I got up very early, and, and I was trying to get ready, and I'll be honest with you, many, many Sundays, because I try to be as courteous as I can to my wife, who likes to sleep a little longer than I do. I usually get up and try to get ready, and oftentimes I do it in the dark, which would be the reason why I look this way, because I stood in front of the mirror in the dark. But I'll be honest with you, if I turn the light on, if I spend a couple hours, it's not going to improve this, okay? But, but think about this, how long do human beings spend in front of a mirror trying to hide, because that's all we're doing, the imperfections in our lives. When you look in that mirror, you see something. Now, when I see it, I don't have makeup. So it's just there. Women, a little different. But we try, to, we try to hide it, we try to camouflage it. Why? Because we looked in the mirror and we saw something. Well, notice as James continues, look what he says. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. Those words are talking about the Bible. And notice the word looketh. People sometimes don't necessarily like the wording in the Bible. I honestly love the word of God. It is accurate. And the word looketh means you don't just look one time. It means you continue to look. Well, you're not looking in some mirror that man made, some piece of glass. You're looking into the Word of God. And notice it says that he that looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You know what, the, what the, James is saying there in the Word of God? He's saying, if you get your nose in this mirror, you look in this mirror, you keep your nose in the book, it's going to show you something. You're going to see, as you look in the Word of God, that God will be perfectly reflected as you look into His Word. And not only will you see God for who He is, but you will see yourself for who you are. And it's a constant reminder, listen, I, I cannot be God. I will never be God. But I'll tell you this, the word Christian means to be like Christ, to be a little Christ. And so as we look in the mirror, 
of the Word of God. We see ourselves and we see God. Notice another symbol. The Bible is a seed. The Bible says in Luke 8, the seed is the Word of God. Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. See, when the Word of God, which is the seed, is planted properly in the human heart, here's what it will do. It will bring forth life, it will bring forth growth, and it will produce fruit in our lives. The Bible is a seed. Notice thirdly, the Bible is water. As we think about the Word of God and we go to Ephesians chapter 5, he's making a statement here as Paul is writing to those in Ephesus and he's talking about the church, which remember the church is not a building, the church is the people of God. And the Bible says here in verse 26 that he, God, might sanctify and cleanse it. Notice the word there. You would have to go back to the antecedent, which is talking about the church, the people of God, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. In other words, the cleansing agent, the purifying agent, the the quenching agent, the refreshing word of God that he might sanctify us and cleanse it by the water of the word. Notice number four, the Bible is a lamp. I love the symbolism in the Word of God. And as we think about the Word of God as a lamp, thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. People say, Pastor, I just don't know what God's will is. Well, did you look in the Bible? Because thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs 6, for the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. As, as a lamp, God's Word shows us where we are and God's word guides us where we should go in the future and God's word is what keeps us from falling. The Bible is a lamp. Notice number five, the Bible's a sword. When I think about the word of God is quick, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Notice piercing, the word of God does its work, dividing the sunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's word is a sword. It is a sword because it has the ability to pierce the heart, to make a difference in the heart. And by the way, the word of God as a sword is equally as effective on the sinner, it's effective on the saint, and it's also effective on Satan. Remember what Jesus did when he was led of the Spirit in the wilderness? He quoted scripture and the Bible says, and the devil fled from him. And understand this, this morning and every day of your life that the Bible is a sword. Notice number six, it is precious metals. Again, we think about the Bible and how precious it is to us. The psalmist said, more to be desired are they, talking about the words of God, more desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Psalm 119 Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold. He says, yea, above fine gold. One of the verses from last week's text, Psalms 12, verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. God's word is desirable. It's precious. It's a wealthy commodity to have. Notice number seven, another symbol is the Bible is food. Job said it this way, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I've esteemed the words of his mouth more 
than my necessary food. More than lunch. Listen, I still remember, and, and don't raise your hand, don't say anything out loud, because you'll just, you'll just convict yourself. I still remember sitting in church before I got saved. And the preacher was preaching, and I was sitting there thinking, can't wait for lunch. I was thinking about what I was going to eat. But you, when you come to God and you open His Word, you get a meal that's better than breakfast, lunch, or dinner. You know why? Because if you had breakfast this morning, chances are, if you're like me, you're probably hungry right now. You're just thinking, Pastor, you need to just stop now so I can go eat. See, physical food doesn't last. But when you think of the Word of God, it satisfies that hunger that no meal could satisfy. I think about the food that Job talked about. God's Word will strengthen those that eat it. If you feed on the Bible, you're going to grow as a Christian. The Bible uses words like that the Bible, the Word of God is milk because it nourishes the young. It's meat because it nourishes those that may be a little bit more mature. It nourishes the, the, the uh, everyone because it's, it is uh, uh, said to be bread. It is honey because it is sweet. It provides strength for the journey. Listen, the Word of God is food that we need in our lives. But also, look at this, the Bible is a hammer. And I know a lot of times people don't like this. Jeremiah said, Is not thy word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. I've had some of our members that have asked me and other people in my life, you know, people that they work with, family members that are hardened to the truth. And they, they want them to get saved. And they're doing their best to talk to them about the Lord. And it just seems like nothing they say is getting through. And they kind of come to me thinking that maybe I have some kind of magic wand, some kind of words of wisdom that I can give to them that, that might make the difference for their friend, their loved one to get saved. And you know what I usually tell them? The only thing you can do is just give them the word. They may not want to hear it. They might pretend that they're not hearing it, but really they're hearing it. And you remember, God's Word is quick and powerful. God's Word can do what you and I cannot do. And the one way that God describes His Word is it's a hammer. It breaks the rock in pieces. God's Word can help someone. It, it has the power to, and the ability to, to, to tear down, but listen, it also has the ability to build up. God's Word is not what we would think to be destructive, it is also constructive. And not only is God's Word a hammer, but notice God's Word, the Bible, is a fire. Jeremiah said His Word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. He said earlier in Jeremiah chapter 5, Behold, I... I will make my words in thy mouth fire. Notice he says, and this people would. 
and it, my word, shall devour them. God's word is called a fire because it has the power to judge. Right now, whatever's in your heart, God's word has the, the power to purify. It has the ability to consume like firewood. Folks, when you think about the word of God, and I've just given you just a sample this morning, aren't you glad and thankful for the Bible? I mean, it is, a, it is the most wonderful book that will ever be because it's God's words. And when I think about some of what we've looked at, there's no doubt that God's word is inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant. God has given it to us for a purpose. And God wants us to read it, to study it. Can I challenge you fathers the way Paul did to Timothy? Continue in the things that thou hast learned and been taught and been assured of. Why? So that you can be the father to your children that God wants you to be. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, God's word has a purpose. And as we think about the purpose of God's word, it's quite simple. God wanted to reveal himself and he chose to do it through his word. Not only that, but the purpose of his word is for redemption. There might be some of you here this morning that God has revealed himself to you. He has shown you who he is. How he loved you so much that he gave his son, Jesus, that you could have a home in heaven someday. God wants you to be saved. If you don't know Christ as your savior, why don't you put your faith and trust in him today so that you can spend eternity with the Lord? I remember when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, I thought I had the rest of my life to live. And I didn't think I needed the Lord. But I was so glad that God showed me who he was and my need of having him in my life. If you're not saved today, don't put him off one more minute. That's one of the purposes that he gave his word. But he also gave his word to reinforce. And some of us this morning needed this message so that you and I could realize the treasure we have in the word of God. Would you stand to your feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? As the piano plays, as the piano plays this morning, if you need to come to Christ, why don't you step out this morning? I know we have this vacation Bible school scene. But why don't you come this morning and just 